Hello and welcome to the ETOF21 Sports Podcast for Monday, October 12th. How is everyone doing today? My name is Eric. I'm the man behind ETOF21 Sports. You can find my work at ETOF21 Sports on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Wow, we crushed it on Saturday and I got my ass handed to me yesterday. So definitely going to have to get back in the office and kind of look at stuff for the NFL. Last year we finished over 100 units for NFL. This year we are down in NFL betting. I still have to update my spreadsheets. But yeah, I will turn around college football. We are doing great. NFL not as good as we've done in the past. And uh, yeah, I need to take a hard look and uh, get the ship going the right way for me and my guys. But I will get that done. Um, Today we always jump into Recap Monday. Reaction Monday, I tell my thoughts of the game, so let's jump right in. The first game is the Carolina Panthers versus Atlanta Falcons. Panthers won 23-16. Number one, I would love to have Joe Brady be the next coach of my Detroit Lions. Lions obviously need to make a play and move on from Matt Patricia. Who better than Joe Brady, who's doing a wonderful job with a very limited offensive group in terms of talent in Carolina. It's only a matter of time before this guy gets a job, and I think the Lions should make a play for him immediately. They should be talking behind closed doors, because this guy is going to be an NFL coach. It's only a matter of time. Mike Davis is proving my theory about systems making the running back and running back not making the system. I mean, he looks just as good and putting up comparable numbers to CMC. So when I say you don't pay for a running back, this is why. Running backs are a dime a dozen, and if you get a guy that is a system-type runner that fits your system, he's going to be able to put up numbers, and that's what Mike Davis is. Mike Davis is the same system runner that the Carolina Panthers run, hence why he's able to put up those numbers. In terms of the Falcons, Matt Ryan's insanely off. Matt Ryan has not looked like Matt Ryan. Historically, Matt Ryan has put up better numbers in year two of the offense compared to year one. This year, his numbers have been atrocious and also it's just the same thing with the Falcons that it was last year when they're ahead they play fast when they're behind they played slow Dirk Cutter is a slimy piece of shit and he did the same thing in Tampa Bay that I think he really did in Atlanta where he sandbags the offense in hope of being named the new head coach Dan Quinn was fired last night per multiple sources online it hasn't come out yet I believe Now, who's going to be the coach, Cutter or Raheem Morris? That's going to be interesting to see. If it's Cutter, I expect the offense to be played at a lot faster pace. I'm working on a a piece in terms of the Falcons and what they're going to be doing in the draft. I'm kind of starting to work on that a little bit. And Gurley put up good numbers. Obviously, I said it in the DFS write-up. I've funded the last couple Christmases just playing running backs against the Panthers and that's you know what happened yesterday that was my best lineup the one with Gurley in it now let's shift to the Bengals Ravens the main thing that sticks out to me with this is Lamar Jackson was 19 for 37 180 yards two TDs and one INT that was just god awful my thing is this If the Ravens are down in a game or need a game-winning drive, they are very limited because Lamar has not taken those steps in his progression to be 
a great thrower. He's a great runner, but he's not a great thrower of the ball. And until that happens, this team is going to be very limited. And also, it's just a matter of time before Greg Roman gets a coaching job. Once Greg Roman gets a coaching job, this offense is going to look insanely different. And let's be honest, Roman should have got a coaching job last offseason. If the Ravens do good, which they are, they'll probably finish 11-5, 12-4, they are going to lose him. And how different will the offense look? Right now, he does a great job of very of limiting Lamar to reading half a field. If receiver A and B and sometimes C aren't open, then it's just a run. Also, what I tell you guys in my write-up, against subpar teams, Mark Andrews produces. And this was a subpar team and Mark Andrews produced. In terms of the Bengals, Joe Burrow, I mean, they have to do a better job protecting this poor kid. This kid is just getting the living shit beat out of him. I thought last week when they filtered the, the ball more through Mixon more, that was better. Last week, I know it got off, excuse me, yesterday, I know it got off script, but still, they have to do a better job funneling the ball through Mixon to preserve Joe Burrow's career. Next, the shift over to the Jaguars Titans. First game since Billy B got fired. Deshaun Watson didn't disappoint. 359, three TDs, two INTs. David Johnson touched the ball a little bit more than I thought he was going to be. My big worry was that was since Bill O'Brien is gone now, were they going to get away from him because he was the Bill O'Brien guy that was traded for DeAndre Hopkins? That was my big worry for him. Brandon Cooks finally balled out. Eight reception, 12 targets, 161 yards. Will Fuller is always going to be D. Sean's guy. And that's the guy I'm invested in this offense with. In terms of the Jaguars, I'm sorry, but if James Robinson only gets 48 yards rushing against this defense when the game was relatively close through three quarters, that speaks a lot about him and his future running the ball. This Texans defense is awful against the run. And can we just finally just admit Garden Minshew isn't the guy? I see a lot of people posting on social media saying that, oh, Minshew mania. Minshew's going to take the Jaguars. Minshew's just a guy. That's it. He's just a dude. Nothing more, nothing less. Backup quarterback in the NFL. You know, a guy that can come in, be a little spark plug, but that's it. Nothing more, nothing less. And the Jaguars are definitely going to draft one of the big three quarterbacks, have it be Lance Fields or Lawrence in this upcoming draft because they will definitely be at the top of the draft. Also, the Jaguars made history being the first team to lose to three winless teams. Next game, one of the bets I actually did hit yesterday was the Raiders plus 11.5. Basically, just a sandwich spot for the Chiefs. They had the Patriots, they have the Bills coming up, Raiders sandwiched in between. Raiders obviously are going to be up for this game. Flat spot for the, for the Chiefs. In terms of the Raiders... I mean, they did what they had to do. They got 23 rushing attempts, 77 yards for Jacobs. And this Chiefs team is very poor against the run. They're bottom five, I believe, in DOVA against the rush. And when you have Josh Jacobs, who is one of the better young backs in the game, you just got to pound the rock with him. He had 77 yards, and that's what the Raiders did. They set up the play action. Carr did not turn, only turn the ball over once. One got awful TD. 
Ruggs was able to get free two receptions for 118 yards. Yes, wow, he had two receptions. Everyone's blowing me up. Dude, you were wrong about Ruggs. Was I really wrong about Ruggs? He had two receptions for 118. And you're going to waste a first-round draft pick when you have that many holes for two receptions for 118? Let's kind of calm down here, people. But, yeah, the Raiders look good. They move the ball around great. In terms of the Chiefs, they're not going to look indestructible every freaking time. Every freaking time. Now, I do want to say this. After the first game, everyone was blowing up my mentions about Carl Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Let's just take a look at this. Chargers game, 10 for 38. Ravens game, 20 for 64. October 5th against the Patriots, 16 for 64. Yesterday against the Raiders, who are awful against the run, 10 for 40. You're telling me that this was the right draft pick? A top 10 fantasy draft pick? This is why Edward Solaire was on my avoid list. This is why I gave the Chiefs a failing grade when they picked him. Exactly this. So everyone that mentioned me and called me out after that first game, hey, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you, what, why do you guys say I was right now? It's kind of funny to me because anytime I'm right, nothing. Anytime I mess up, a million mentions. So, yeah, the Chiefs, it is what it is. You know, they weren't going to go undefeated. They have the Bills next week. I'm sure they're going to rebound nicely against the Bills. And, if, hey, if the Bills win tomorrow night against the Titans and I can get some value on the Chiefs, I'll, I'll look to that game. Next game, cards at Jets. Jesus Christ, we have the Jets. Points and money line. Cardinals, they rebounded nicely. They got those safeties back. Like I mentioned, that's what G said podcast. Drake only had 60 yards rushing. I really expected them to pound the ball more with Drake because this was a revenge game. Murray is Murray. 380 yards in the air, 31 rushing. D-hop, 6 4 131. Jets, Flacco, 900, only 195 yards. Bell, 60 yards rushing. Crowder, 8 receptions for 116. This Jets team is a complete and utter mess, and they're just going to have to hit the reset button yet again. It's going to be interesting to see when they have one of those top draft picks, what do they elect to do? Do they really believe Darnold's going to be the guy that's going to be able to transcend them to that next level? or And then do they trade that top pick back and get multiple assets? Or do they say, hey, we have a chance to get Lawrence. Lawrence could be a transcending talent. Do we move Darnold and roll with Lawrence? So it's really going to be an interesting offseason for the Jets. Personally, I've gone on record thinking that Darnold is not that good, and I would move on from him. Cardinals, I mean, yeah, they probably are the third best team in the West. They'll have a game or two where they impress and a game or two where they disappoint. This team's still missing some pieces on the offensive line and the defensive unit in my eyes. Eagles and Steelers, and oh my God, lost this one. We had the Eagles plus a seven and a half in the money line. This game was so frustrating to me, and here's the reason why. A, it just, something's going on with Ertz and that offense, and Ertz and Wentz, because with the way the Steelers play defense, they funnel everything to the middle, everything to the tight end. That's just the way they play defense. And Ertz literally had only six targets, one reception for six yards. It always blows my mind how these coaches have a distinct matchup and the advantage, and they never take advantage of the matchup. Why? 
it, it's something I will never understand when I watch these games. Then we were with inside the number. There was a third down play. It was, what was it, third and long, third and nine, uh, late in the fourth quarter. 35-yard touchdown pass to Chase Claypool with a linebacker covering him with 259 left. Now, here's my thing. The Eagles had all three timeouts left. Eagles had all three timeouts left, and why didn't they take a timeout to get another DB on there so he could check Claypool instead of having a linebacker attempt to cover him? That's on Peterson and Schwartz. These guys need to recognize it. You have plenty of timeouts to burn. You get that stop. They're kicking a field goal. You're still within the number. You can give Wentz one more try. By not doing that, you lost the game. And that's on them. They have to take a look in the mirror. And it has to come to the point for Eagles organization and the Eagles fan to realize, hey, we have one fluke Super Bowl with Peterson. Peterson has made numerous coaching mistakes. Is this guy really the guy that's going to make the Eagles the year-in, year-out franchise winner that they're striving to become? I don't think so after yesterday. Because that was a key play that he fumbled on and he should have took the timeout. Um, in terms of the Steelers, Steelers, Jesus, they're... They're playing great right now. I really think the the bye week is going to hurt them. It's going to be an interesting stretch right now because they go Browns, and then after the Browns, they have the Ravens. I want to see these two games. Granted, we do have them to win the Super Bowl. We have them to win the North. Big Ben, 27-34, three TDs. James Kana, only 44 yards rushing. Like I mentioned in my write-up, they run the ball 44% of the time. I really expected a little bit more from Connor. He did get a TD. Claypool, 7 for 110. Ebron, 5 for 43. Yeah, so Steelers are looking good. Defense, I think, is a little overvalued. It's not looking as good as it did last year. It's really going to be telling, like I said, the next two games. The Rams at the football team. Granted, this was great seeing Alex Smith come back once Kyle Allen went down. But I was like a nervous parent watching Alex Smith out there under center. I was worried he was going to get hit, get re-injured after what that devastating leg injury. He was only 9 for 17 for 37 yards. He was sacked six times. My issue is this. They... Rivera puts him out there, maybe hoping for an emotional boost in production to get the team going. That's fine, but obviously, when you saw that wasn't happening, take him out there for the take him off the field for the players' well-being. Kyle Allen was medically cleared to go back into the game, and you didn't put him back in there. Come on, Rivera, you have to be looking out for your players. And I was really re- worried Smith was going to get beat down. I was really high on Antonio Gibson. I thought they were going to use him, utilize him a little bit more. I think the offense definitely needs to be run through him. He only had 11 rushes for 27 yards, five receptions for 20, for 24 yards. Scott Turner, Jesus Christ, dude. I have no idea how this guy is an offensive coordinator, but it just goes to show you if your dad was an offensive coordinator, you're in the game, and that's why Scott Turner is in the game for the Washington football team in terms of being a offensive coordinator. Rams only allowed one sack. This offensive line is playing way better than I thought it would be. 
Akers, nine rushes for 61 yards. It is finally going to be time for me to bust out my Keem Akers shares in season long, and I can't wait. I was so high on this kid. Um, McVay mentioned that going forward, he's going to be getting more touches. He looked great. He looked explosive. Really liked what I saw from him. He is going to be a gem. And props to the offensive line, only allowing one sack to this Washington front. This offensive line is playing way better than I thought I could. And like I said, I really believe the Rams are the best team out West. And I'm pissed off at myself for not realizing when you give the best offensive mind in the game all this free time, he's going to be able to construct something that is going to be successful. And that's what you did. You give McVay all this free time. He was able to reinvent the offense, work on some stuff, and now the offense looks way better than it did last year. A little bit of the shocker. Dolphins 43, 49ers 17. So where's the dude? Where's the dude that came at me when I said Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't a quarterback to elevate people and a quarterback you can win a Super Bowl with? Where is that dude? Because I have news for that guy. Quarterbacks that are superstars, that do elevate talent, that do get talent to the Super Bowl, aren't benched against the fucking Miami Dolphins in that secondary. And that's facts. That is facts. So where is that dude? Oh, yeah, he blocked me when I called him out on it yesterday. Garoppolo, let's face it, he's not the guy. I've been on it for years. He's just not a guy that transcends talent. It's going to be really interesting to see in the Sunday night matchup next week, which I'm really looking forward to. Who's going to begin the majority of the run under center? Is it going to be C.J. Bethel, or is it going to be Jimmy Garoppolo? My guess is they probably go back to Garoppolo. Garoppolo never really looked comfortable under center yesterday. Happy feet. But the 49ers did get behind, and they were forced to throw the ball a lot more. That running system really never clicked. Um... Mozart only had 11 rushes for 90 yards. And this is my thing. When these teams get down, why not just stick with the running game? You know, I mean, Mozart's averaging 8.2 rushes a game. Why not just stay with him? Just a thought. Um, Dolphins look great. Like I said, there is no reason for them to play Tua this year. If you look at this team around Fitzpatrick, all these guys love Fitzpatrick. And they're playing hard for Fitzpatrick. I would not roll two out there unless they're eliminated at the definitely the end of the season. And I'll I've said it numerous times, like I said about Garoppolo, Tua is not the guy that everyone thinks he is, and he's really gonna struggle in the NFL. Next game, Colts at Browns. Interesting game. Really interesting game. Let's go back to my previous statement about coaches understanding where the other team has their flaws. The Browns have the worst cornerback in the slot. Who plays the slot wide receiver for the Colts? My man, Zach Pascal. How many times was Pascal targeted yesterday? Two. If you have a weakness, you have to target the weakness. Everyone is throwing Phillip Rivers. Oh, they need a new quarterback. Rivers isn't that guy. How about we seriously take a look at Frank Wright and some of the idiotic decisions he's made in that game? 
He uses one. He uses both challenges in the first half. One in the first minute of the goddamn game. Who the hell does that shit? Especially against a a, a team in the Browns that is good, and the game is going to be close. What the hell is that? Then you have Jonathan Taylor, who's averaging four point eight yards per carry. He only has twelve motherfucking rushes. I love this Colts team. I think this Colts team is good enough to win it all. But I seriously question Frank Wright and him calling plays and his selection. You have a huge advantage in the slot. You're only running Taylor 12 times. What the hell are you doing? Um, And it was just like he was peppering T.Y. Hilton. T.Y. had 10 targets, his most targets ever. And he's... It just the whole game plan the Colts are trying to do just amazed me. Like I said on the "That's What G Said" podcast, the main thing that stuck out to me was Stefanski's play calling. There's a couple third down plays, or if you just run the ball, you keep the clock running. He's rolling out Mayfield. I really don't like how they roll Mayfield out to the left and he tries to throw the ball across the body. Hunt twenty rushes for seventy two yards, only three point six yards of running. Dernis Johnson, 8 for 32. Definitely missing Chubb. Everyone that says Hunt was going to be just as good as Chubb, hopefully this game shows that he's not. Chubb is way better of a running back. And this Browns team, I'll give them credit. They are playing well. But like I said on the That's What G Said podcast, the reason I'm I'm back on them is Kofanski is like right in my eyes. His in-game playing calling, in-game management, I'm really questioning moving forward why I'm not putting this team over the hump. And this next game against the Steelers is really going to say something in my eyes. If they can beat Pittsburgh, then I'm in on them. I'm in on the Cleveland Browns. So I'm really looking forward to that game next week. That game next week is actually in Pittsburgh for a noon start. So I'm really going to be looking forward to that game to see how Baker does on the road. Next game, oh my God, losing the Giants' money line, but they covered the spread. My issue with this game is a couple things. Number one, I will. we have to talk about the elephant in our room, the, the Dak Prescott injury. And I wish Prescott nothing but the best. Some people don't know this. I had this devastating ankle injury that cost me my basketball career back in the day. And it was a compound fracture. My ankle bone literally popped out of my, my, um, my skin. Lost my lost my first step, lost my jumping ability. I just was never the same, and it cost me playing D1 college basketball. A lot of people don't know that about me, but anyway, that is something here or there. Um, so I really hope Prescott is able to come back 27, having a career year. If he's not able to come back, I really hope Jerry Jones and the Cowboys organization take care of him, but Jerry Jones is a piece of shit, so I doubt that will happen. And... This is why I'm always on the player's side. Their peak earning potential is only X amount of years. And if they get hurt like Prescott did, this is going to affect his earning potential because whatever team tries to sign him is going to recircle back to this injury and it's going to prevent them from giving him the money he rightfully deserves. So I really hope he comes back. I really hope he comes back better than ever. And I'm thinking about him because when he came out, about his whole brother's suicide and opening up like that. I mean, Jesus Christ, that takes a lot of courage, and I I have nothing bad to say about this guy. I really hope he gets better. 
Um, Cowboys defense is a fucking nightmare. Dalton did what he had to do, but it was against the Giants. This team is a train wreck. C.D. Lamb, you know what? I will give more credit. The Giants defensively are very weak in the slot. And I said I expect the Cooper targets to be funneled to Lamb because that's where the Cowboys had the advantage in the personnel matchup. And, oh, my God, Moore got it. Moore funneled all those targets to C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb was targeted 11 times for eight receptions. So props to him for attacking the the weakness of the Giants' defense. In terms of Elliott, you know, a little uptick, 19 rushes. Are they going to go to the run more now with Andy Dalton under center? I don't know. I would expect so. But this is the thing that gets me. You have all these experts that were talking about, oh, my God, the Cowboys and their line. They didn't realize this line isn't as good as it was last year. So I don't – that plus more, not running the ball more, factoring into Elliott's decline and why I wasn't as high on him as other people – in fantasy and why I'm kind of staying away from him in season, why I stayed away from him season long in DFS so far. But moving forward, I expect him to be featured a little bit more just because Dalton isn't anywhere near the passer that Prescott is. In terms of the Giants, Freeman 17 for 60, looked good running the ball, getting a little bit more of that spring in, spring back. Um, Daniel Jones, 20 for 33. I feel bad for the kid. Obviously, if the Giants have a chance at Lawrence, they're going to take Lawrence. Daniel Jones is a talented guy, but he's not a transcendent talent. And it kind of speaks to the Giants' front office for drafting him instead of tackling obvious weaknesses. Evan Ingram... One reception for 16 yards. Jesus Christ. One run for 19. I just... It just blow. Like I said, I really expected Garrett to come in and help Jones make that step forward in his second year. Feature Ingram a little bit more in the offense. But it's just not clicking there. Something's off. Something's not clicking. And this team offensively just looks like shit. Defensively... Oh my god, they're doing way better than I thought they would. But offensively, they just look like shit. And that obviously falls on Garrett. So, that's it for the recap for Sunday, October 11th. Those of you that took time out of your day to wish me happy birthday, thank you. I'm not going to lie. That was more food yesterday that I ate than I've probably eaten in a couple months. I eat pretty effing clean, a lot of chicken thighs, a lot of broccoli, a lot of water. Oh my God, yesterday, hash browns, corned beef hash, pancakes, cake, pizza. It's going to be a little bit of the struggle for the kid today, not going to lie. Looking to bounce back, obviously, after the shit show yesterday. Sorry, guys, I will make it up to you. Um, Moving forward, schedule for the week. Tomorrow, I'm obviously, I, I, I don't know how this waiver is going to transcend in the leagues I am. I'll definitely try to get my waiver stuff out on Tuesday. Wednesday is rankings day. Thursday, Friday, blogs, one each day, hopefully. 
So be on the lookout for that. That'll be up on the website, etof21sports. Saturday, hitting you up with the pod. Scotty Tuhati is going to be coming on. We're going to be talking a little fantasy. Sunday, DFS breakdown and bets sent out. And, of course, Monday is the pod. That is the schedule for the week coming up. Have a good day. Be safe, everyone. Wear your masks. I'll see you guys on Saturday.